Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Sierra Shortridge and I go back when I was amassing a huge publishing debt at Disney, and she was starting out her career at Disney, and now she's killing it at Curb Music Publishing. She had a dream to be in the music biz here in town and has made it come true in a big way. I can't tell you how much she means to Amy and myself. She's the little sister I never wanted. Kidding. Here's Sierra Shortridge. Thinking and drinking, Sierra Shortridge. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Bartier? Oh, I have (laughs) rarely been better. Thank you. Nobody calls me that anymore. That's great. Oh, old time's sake. How have you been? I've been great. You know, it's been absolutely an interesting year. So, yeah, you said you're, you're at Curb, and you said you're the only person in the, in the building? Right now, yes. Um, Johnny actually drove me over here. I needed a place because... Your handsome I husband, would, Johnny. Yes, he's amazing. Um, he has four-wheel drive, so he offered to take me to the office today. See? I had to do a couple Zooms, and my dogs are just... What are uh, what are your dogs' names? Ava, Ava, Barkley, <laughs> and Tyson. It's small, medium, and large, and they're nice. all the worst. Like they're all the worst, but we love them so much. And it's Ava, like Misfit Toyland for dogs. Ava runs the joint, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so, what have you guys been doing? I mean, like, have you been working out of the house, just playing dominoes on your lunch break? Or what do you, I mean, what have you been doing? Well, honestly, things have been just as busy, if not busier, because of the fact that there's no commute. And I feel like there's so many different ways to be industrious when you're a creator. Like, look at yourself, for instance. Like, you are a songwriter. You've had different jobs and different facets of the industry it's like you're gonna find a way to get creative in times when it's slower and I feel like in songwriting in publishing we're kind of in a a little bubble in a way because we can do what we do from anywhere right you know we and people adapted pretty quickly like there was some reluctance at first because of the awkwardness of zoom sessions yeah because of the you know, especially the first time meets when you're like, hi, you know, it's like oh, yeah. a bit awkward at first, but I mean, we're still getting, we have, we have like 30 songwriters on the roster right now. And um, there's two creatives on the countryside, um, Colt Mursky and myself, yeah. who is amazing. Love yeah. him. Yeah. And um, everybody's just super inspired and writing like digging deeper into their creativity and and writing songs that aren't just like super formulaic because everybody's I think been on their own and hasn't yeah you know like everybody's just taking this chance to dig in and and do things that they wouldn't normally do and so it's just been I mean we still get a hundred songs a month in about that and and you know um 
people are so willing to do Zoom sessions for pitching, which I like because, you know, it's, it's still easy to open up an email and shoot songs in an email, but like, yeah. there's nothing like getting somebody's attention and catching up with them for an hour over zoom. And it's, it's easy. You just share screen, share computer audio and you play songs and it comes through clear. And we've gotten, we've gotten like several cuts that way through. Zoom. That's great. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super busy, so. but good, you know? And yeah. Um, thankfully I have an office to come to right now. Everything is super, super duper clean. Like I'm, the building is rarely packed, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm always just in here in my office, um, by myself. And I think your plant needs some water. <laughs> Which one? This that one? one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got three. Pl- They're all looking pretty sad. Oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> well, you are a Webster, New York, up around Rochester, Buffalo area kid. Is there any other musical kids, folks in your family, or were you the only one? Um, well, it really came with, came from my dad. Okay. Um, my, my, my dad and his brother and his sister were very musical and um, I think they all secretly had musical ambitions, but they kind of just forged or moved forth with um, kind of the path that they were set on. But my dad would always be in the basement um, playing guitar was usually like, um, what did he always play? Uh, Unknown legend. Oh, and like wow. a, a few like different Beatles songs. And he was just, he just loved sitting there and, and singing and playing with the guitar. Yeah. And I just kind of was always drawn to that. And um, I was raised up on, I didn't know at the time. I thought it was just like old people music. And what is this? <laughs> but it was like, I grew up on the Beatles. I grew up on Billy Joel. I grew up on um, just, so many great musicians that I still listen to now. And I, yeah. I'm so thankful for it. Like Tom Petty, Steve Miller band, um, oh, yeah. stuff like that. And I'm, I'm thankful that my parents had just like this really cool um, taste in music. And as I got older, I started going on the job with my dad, who was an electrician. Um, his dad started an electrical company in my, and my dad followed in his footsteps. And so I went to the job with him. I was kind of a tomboy. I had my white t-shirt and my khakis on and he would be like framing out houses and pulling wire, I guess is what, what they say Mm -hmm. in the biz. And I would like, I would set up the outlets. Like I would pull off the copper wire and I would put it all in the outlets and I would, um, put all the switch plates on and I would sweep the houses and like to and from the job. um, My dad would always listen to country music and my mom hated country music. I think she just hated it categorically because she didn't like know anything about it. But um, you know, I just started taking an interest in it that way. She also may not have liked it because that was something that you and your dad (laughs) had and you and your mom (laughs) didn't have that. So that was Maybe. one thing I was going to ask you is, 
is from there, why did you not go to, to New York City or why did you not go to L.A.? Why did you choose to come down to Nashville? Well, um, I was watching T- I was watching CMT with my dad one night, obviously. And um, I don't remember what award show was on, but this little girl who was a couple years older than me, but she seemed, you know, like how everybody seems so much older when you're young. So mature. Yeah. So mature. She walks across the stage and she starts singing this song called blue. And (laughs) I was a few years younger than her and I'm just looking at her and I'm like, that girl is only a couple years older than me. That looks like so much fun. I want to do that. And I was like reading goosebumps like the series up in my room. I wasn't like a super social person. <laughs> I, I didn't want I'm reading wanna, that now. I know. I know. I know. Um, I don't want to like go out and perform in front of people or anything like that, but I just liked, I love to sing. And so I had some grandparents in Florida and we were going down to visit them. And my dad convinced my mom to stop in Nashville on the way home. And it was like in, it was cold. It was like February or March. Cause I remember being like, Oh my gosh, I thought the South was warm. What am I doing? Um, and we, I was the whole way down. I'm listening to this record uh, by Leanne Rhymes called inspirational songs and I don't know anything about record labels or yeah songwriting or anything like that but I'm looking through the liner notes to read the lyrics and it says like curb records on it and I'm like okay cool I don't I don't know what, I don't that, know what that is right yeah so we of course stop off at the mother church the original mother church of country music the Ryman auditorium and my dad's Indeed. like there's no I don't think there's any shows going on tonight, but let's go walk around the gift shop. So we go walk around the gift shop and um, we're just kind of like poking in and out. And this like this man that was working in the main area comes in and like taps my dad on the shoulder and goes, Hey, do you guys want to go in and see a show? And he's like, what's going on? Uh, He's like, it's a private, (laughs) he's like, it's a private showcase for curb records and wow. and Leanne Rhymes is performing. Ugh. And so for me, I, I've been playing this record the whole way there. Yeah. On repeat, like, which is still kind of how I listen to this day. If I get obsessed with something, yeah, I'll just listen to it over and over. And so like till you hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like we go sit in the church pews and Gosh. I'm sitting here as this like I don't know how old I was, 14, 13 or 14. And I'm just like jaw to the floor. Oh my gosh. I'm watching my idol right now. And this is, that was like kind of the first time I felt that little brush of that Nashville magic that I feel like we all kind of take for granted. Cause like mm, yeah. stuff like that happens here all of the time. Yeah. And it's like just being a child, being such a fan, having those moments come together and being there and seeing like my idol on stage perform. Uh, that was just kind of what gave me the bug. I'm like, something cool is happening down there. So I always had it in the back of my mind and, um, you know, eventually I called it home. 
So yeah, you came down in, in 2007, is that correct? Mm-hmm. So did you come down to go to Belmont or were you trying to sing and get a record deal or are you trying to get in on the business side of thing or did you want to be a candy striper nurse or? <laughs> well, I mean, I never wanted to go to college, to be honest. Like as soon as I, I got back to New York, I'm like, okay, it's on. I'm going to be an artist. And my parents are like, what? Like, mm-hmm. we've never heard. Like, honestly, I think they were kind of worried because they'd never heard me sing before. And they were like, uh oh, you know, like, really? Uh, yeah. And I told them that I wanted to enter like a singing competition. And they were like, okay. And so my mom took me to the mall and like bought me this like super sparkly dress. And I had these heels that were way too tall for me. And I went and I sang blue at this singing competition. And I remember looking up at my parents in the stands and seeing my mom and dad just going like, did you know? I didn't know. Did you know? I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, it's weird because like I was such a shy kid, but as soon as like I just had the microphone, I was like, and, um, how did how did you I mean you so you hadn't been sneaking downstairs and singing with dad or anything I mean, were you just singing along with the radio or something and you, and you yeah I was just like singing in, in my in, room in your head you were on pitch and everything else and you you felt good about that I was just singing along with records man that's amazing know? it was it was crazy so I placed first in that competition which like led to other competitions which led to like me get, starting a band in upstate New York. And it was great because like I was the the youngest performer and there wasn't a whole lot of country music up there at the time. So whenever a big act was coming through, like we had a good relationship with the WBEE up there and they would put us on um, the opening slots for stuff. So I got to open for some of my favorites like Roscoe Flats and Keith Urban and Blake Shelton and Trey Sadkins and, I sang the national anthem for a Bills game and Dang. a Sabres game. So like I was just like living the dream as a kid. Yeah. And and I feel like I experienced so much and my parents were so supportive and you know everybody in my family was and yeah, so like that kind of that kind of tipped the compass towards Nashville and yeah. My dad had done some research on Belmont, so he yeah. you know, was like, "Hey, you should check this out." And um I came down and I went to Belmont and kind of quickly realized that, and and it wasn't like a, Oh, like I'm terrible kind of thing or like, but like, I just saw the caliber of talent that was happening around me. And like, I I, I knew what I knew what, like I got familiar with, with like the playing field and I'm like, Hey, maybe I could use these music sensibilities for something else. I didn't know what yet. Um, I always say that when I moved to town, I wasn't even the best guitar player that moved to town on the day that I moved to town. (laughs) (laughs) It's like being a good guitar player in Holdridge, Nebraska is not a good guitar player in Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) So I I know what you're feeling. (laughs) It's like a super humbling moment, but at the same time, like, it's not like sad. It's like, okay, that was like, 
that was a stepping stone and the direction to where I'm going. And I'm very grateful for that experience and all of that background and knowing what it's like to be on that side of things. I I feel like gives you a a spidey sense to be um, active in the creative community. So, so, okay. So, you weren't probably majoring in performance and you were probably majoring in like the music business. Um, so business administration was my okay. major at, okay. with a music business emphasis. Cause I'm like, I'm always worried. I'm like, okay, well, what if the, I think I, I came to Nashville right after like everything was like Napster and what's going to happen with the music industry. So I feel like I was kind of insecure about like, finding my place in the industry, but I knew I wanted it to be here. Um, So I was in a publishing class at Belmont and the, the words that came out of my professor's mouth were copyrights will always have value and there will always need to be people to administer Hmm. and exploit those copyrights. And that kind of like stuck with me. I'm like, security (laughs) like some sort of security and direction like it was like he was calling out to me giving me a a starting point of like somewhere I should go so even back then people thought music had value how crazy is that (laughs) right 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 that's nuts so did you do uh the music biz internships and everything Oh yeah. Um, who was who was your uh, your favorite boss as an intern? Well, my absolute favorite boss, a bar a nun, was the beautiful, the talented, the incredible, the brilliant Mrs. Amy Almond. She I hired me. I, I can't I can't believe she hired me. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I think she was like oh, she's a senior, like, this is probably going to be her last opportunity for something cool. I don't know why she decided to take a chance on me, because I'm I'm so awkward. Because you're awesome. And I'm so awkward in interviews, too, uh, like, in being around all those people. Like, okay, this is, bi- it was called Big Loud Shirt back then. Yep. And, and I'm just looking around every day saying like, Oh, that guy wrote that this song that I've been spinning for the past five. Like, it's just like, it's surreal, you know, for a kid like me to, to be plucked and come to Nashville and be like, Oh my gosh, those are the people that are making it happen. Oh man. And Amy was the best. She was like, you know, she was such a great leader and, and she encouraged me to like share ideas, which was like, you know, I'm, I'm good at being like the hunker down, like do the thing and like what's asked of me. And, but she was like, Hey, if you ever hear, like, if you ever have any song ideas, like, please like write it on a post-it note and leave it on my desk. And like, I had already been like thinking that in the back of my head, like, what if I wanted to share an idea? And so she kind of like opened that up for me. And um, yeah, that was like, it's like Amy's, responsible <laughs> for like <laughs> me being here like well you th- there you, are there are so many people like there's a handful of people like that that like just totally changed the game for me like yeah. Amy literally gave me that opportunity to stretch my legs and listen to music and 
Like, because who knows? Like, what a good song and a bad song is. Oh, like, abso- absolutely. To a million, you know? Absolutely. Know. You'll, you'll hear a song on the radio and you go, well, I know why that song is a hit, but I hate that song. Right, right. And you have it's to like, pull your own opinions out. And, and, but also, going back to Amy for a sec, she, like you, of course, you're, you're smart enough to know that, what is it the Kennedy said, rising water raises all ships. You know, it's like, so come on in. Let's, let's be great together. How about we do that? Let's put our egos in the coat closet and let's go make some crap happen. And it's going to be awesome. How about we do that? I mean, that's like, she kind of set the ground floor for that. Like being a team player, like. Absolutely. It's, you can get so much more work together as like a unified team than you can like being uber competitive internally and at your time at each other's throats you know it's like let's (laughs) let's let's gather our resources this is such a tough business to begin with so like why don't we just highlight our best assets and ideas and work together as a team i've never needed or wanted credit for anything i just want to see i just want to see results and i don't and I don't need the arrow to point back at me. I just want to see it happening to know that I'm like doing something right. I just want the (laughs) decimal point to move to the right in my paycheck. That's all I want. (laughs) Absolutely. That's all it's about. All. All It's all about about the money, which is a big shocker when you first move to town. I'll tell you that. So so you're saying I can work for free. Hey, cool. For how long? Two, three, four years. I don't care. Whatever it takes. Sure. So when I met you at Disney, I was right in there, and you were always the funnest person in the world. We had a really good group of people over there. There was a lot of laughing going on in there. And I remember uh, I found out that you had a fun little secret that you weren't telling anybody, and that was that you could sing your butt off. So I think... (laughs) That we brought, me and Terry McBride wrote a song called I Never Met a Cowgirl I Didn't Like. And we say, Terry goes, man, we need a hot chick singer. I go, I got one. And no, brought, that wasn't the song. Is that not the song? The first song? Mm-hmm. No. The first song? Because I was thinking about that, like, yesterday. I was like, what's oh, that song? I know song? what it is. It was called? Money for Whiskey. Heads or Tails. Oh, yeah. Dang it. Heads or Tails. And I still remember how that, I haven't listened to it since I did it because I don't like listening to my own voice, but it was like, heaven or hell, heads or tails. You never know which way it's going to go, something like that. (laughs) How do I remember that? Because you're brilliant. Nah, I'm not. And then the other one was Money for Whiskey. And that was with you and um, Mitzi Dawn. Yeah, Mitzi Dawn. I've never, I mean, like, that's the only time I, I don't know i don't know how i remember this stuff i remember so many songs Man. i'm convinced that the reason that i can't remember things in my recent past is because my entire brain is filled up with the disney catalog from the past oh, 10 i wouldn't years. no I, I believe i i i'm one of those guys that believes if i learn something I've got to kick something. If something goes into my head, I got to kick something else out. But how, you can't get it out. Like it's, I'll learn a song title and I'll forget my mom's birthday. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's life. <laughs> yes. Well, we did have a good time there. 
and uh, yeah, that was that was fun. And, and there's there's a couple of Bart Allman songs that I still remember. One's actually with one of your former podcast guests, Jennifer Schott, yes. Lighthouse in Kansas. That's oh, one of yeah. my favorites. Oh, thanks. Um, there's another one called. And like, I feel like I was the only one that liked the song, but I still like it. And I feel like if I still heard it now for the first time, I would still love it. And it's called Out of My Hands. And I think you wrote it with Bob DiPiro. Yep. yep. Yeah. One of my favorite songs, probably more relevant now, even. Yeah. That yeah. song has, uh, the song is about being an alcoholic and watching your son become, take your problems and become an alcoholic. And that song has been played at a lot of uh, AA meetings, actually. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Once in a while, we'll get a little email or something from somebody that said they heard that song and it it really, really helped them out. And so that's the kind of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. I I still remember the whole chorus. I don't have that file anywhere near me, but I still remember every Mm. word to the the chorus of that song from that I first heard 10 years ago. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you obviously uh, stayed at Disney longer than I did. <laughs> I stayed at Disney longer yeah. than most people. <laughs> so Not really. You, there's a lot of there's a lot of lifers there. It was great. But you were there until they shut the doors. Yeah. It to the Nashville office. Yeah. So what yeah. went through your head when you heard that? <sighs> Holy crap, I got to get another job. I haven't had a resume in 15 years. Yes. I mean, that was like, <laughs> yes. That was like the, I mean, that was maybe like the third thought I had. But the first one was just kind of like, aw. Yeah. Like, there is such an opportunity for Disney to thrive in Nashville. And I still feel like one day it's going to make sense for them to come back and. Yeah and start something here. So I think it was just kind of like, I felt like the, the torch was being passed from one person to the next. And we all wanted to see like the same thing happen. And so it was just, it was disappointing. Like they're my, a lot of people that work there are still my family, you know, absolutely. Barbara Vanderland and I are very close. Um, She was my boss um, the last several years. And, I think like the second disappointment was like, I love these songs so much and they're taking up 95% of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just want to know that these songs are taken care of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because like they're the, they're the writer's babies, but they also become part of your life too, because you, you hear them, you get excited, you get ideas, you resonate with them. And it's just like, I remember I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs in my brain that will never be heard. Well, you're one of the great publishers to me because you, you champion a song and you say, I'm not going to sleep until I get this thing cut. Even if it like now you're still remembering songs that are 10 or 15 years old where some publishers, and I won't mention any names, will listen to a thing and go, well, this person passed and this person passed. So I'm done with that song. What else you got? And you you know, but you are going like, no, 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 that that's not it. There's, a hundred people with record deals in town, which means I got 98 more people to play it for or whatever the numbers are. Or shout out to Robert Philhart, who I've 
pitched the same song to four times in the past month. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've heard this one already. <laughs> but have you? I'm really like, did you want it? <laughs> did you want? I sped this up a little bit. Do you want to hear this version? <laughs> Boom! Like it's just like now it's an inside joke because I've said it to him so many times. But right. like, I think part of this is is trusting your gut, and at the same time knowing that nobody really knows anybody, and yeah. nobody really knows anything, anything. about this. You yeah. know, and like it's all about timing. It's all about where the, you know, where the world is at, where an artist might be at in their life. It's just like a song that might not hit somebody a certain way might come back around. So it's like, yep. if I feel passionate enough about it, I have to trust that I've been hired to do this job for a reason. And I have to trust my instincts and my ears. And it's not like I'm going to, I'm not going to hit somebody overhead with a song. Right. You know what I mean? But like, I definitely bring things back around and, there's definitely been circumstances where like a song's been pitched and then somebody different pitches it a couple days later and it gets cut, you know? So it's just like, you, you just never know. There's no formula to it. Familiarity can be a good thing. If somebody is listening to a song, it's like, Oh, I feel like I've heard this before. Well, we're all emotional creatures. And if I got in a, you know, my dog threw up before I left the house. I got in a car wreck on the way here. Once I got to the office, I realized I forgot my lunch. And now you're playing me a song about love. It's the last thing on my mind. Oh, yeah. But three days from now, play the same song. And I go, like, holy crap, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Because I'm Absolutely. So, like, abs- yeah. And, it, and it's like, even me too. Like, sometimes, like, a writer will follow up with me and be like, did you listen to this yet? And I'll be like, I'm not going to listen to it until, like, tomorrow afternoon or Monday because like I'm so fried that like I'm not gonna be able to properly digest what's happening and it it, you know it makes all the difference headspace does and like admitting that like you know you can't be on and listen the same way all the time no no well you say you guys have 30 some writers I mean who who do you sign and and why what are you looking for in a writer I know that's a huge broad It's a loaded swat. cue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a loaded cue. Like, I personally am listening for, do I know more about this person after I've heard the song? Mm. I don't care. I don't care if it's, it's sa- I don't care if it sounds like a hit or not. I don't mm-hmm. care if it relates to my story personally or not, because I don't want to hear my story. I'm living it. You know, I'm going right. to, I can still relate to somebody else's story. Um, hmm. I just want to get to know them through the, through a song. I think like a, a mistake, some like writers make is like, Oh, I want to make this so universal. So everybody can relate right. and everybody, you know, but like, I'm trying to think of a a song that I have, like, I can't relate to Folsom Prison Blues. You know what I mean? Like, I can't relate to that. Like, that is not my life. There are so many different songs that just, like, aren't my life. But the reason that I like them is because they get, they open the hood and give me a sneak peek into something different and a different perspective. It's like watching a movie. Yeah, it's like watching a movie. And um, if I can get a sense for 
who that person is or where they're coming from or what their voice is through a lyric. It doesn't even have to be through a voice because that can change and yeah. production can change. But if, if there's a, if there's a message or a certain way that somebody's saying something that resonates in a unique way, that's like what I'm looking for, but that's like, it's such a hard thing to pin yeah. down and you don't, you don't always know in, in, until you hear it. And a lot of the times it's like you hear a song for the first time and you may, and like whenever I'm like, I don't know if I love this or I hate it. Yeah. I know I'm going to love it. it. It's like, I just know like there's something different enough about it to that. It's going to work, whether it's for me or somebody else, like, if there's a mo, like if it's different enough where you can't recognize it and you have to think about it, that intrigues me. Do you ever look at your roster and go, "What are we missing?" and try to go find somebody that can go like, you know, we need a, we need another Kentucky Headhunters, we need another Leonard Skinner. Let's go get that guy. So when you mentioned that, I pulled up my roster just so I could look at that and take stock. We've we've got a lot of um, artists that are signed to Curb Records here that are also writers which is really fun. Um, yeah. You know, Rodney Atkins, Mo Pitney and Miss Hannah Ellis yeah. and Tim Duggar, Rose Falcon, um, American Young. And we've got, we've got like a smattering of producers. Um, Adam Wood, who does everything. Chris Galbuta is kind of like a more organic bluesy producer writer. Mm-hmm. We've got, um, Kyle Schlinger, who we just officially signed a deal with, who's who's more of like a progressive track guy. We've got Brian Bunn, who's amazing. I feel like when I look at the roster, it's super like spaced evenly. Diverse. There's like yeah. I feel like so much great work has been done for me <laughs> before I arrived here because yeah. like the the writers that they've chosen to sign here like nobody has like I don't know if I'm going to use this word correctly but nothing's like duplicitous mm-hmm. it's like I know that if I if I offer a session to somebody it's going to be because they're perfect for that right, right. it's not going to be like oh should I pick this person or that person like everybody has like a really specific role and nobody's really on top of each other and I yeah. feel like they've done a really great job of that here um i would like to see in a perfect world it would be great to have like you know a female producer writer Mm -hmm. another another female country top liner um i don't know it's like we don't have we don't have like specific slots that need to be filled like everybody's like Everybody that writes here is super diverse and can cover a lot of ground. And um, how do I just you feel? F- like I'm sorry. Go it's ahead, just sorry. like you don't know until you know. Right, it's right, like, right. Oh, that's something that I didn't know that we needed. Like so out in this age, when you're at home, we're all at home, and there's no writers' nights per se. How are you hearing people? How do you, how does someone get noticed? Is it all about? Instagram numbers and TikTok numbers and all that stuff or how, I mean, how would a person, if I moved to town today or say a year ago, let's say a year ago when all this started, how would you, how would you get noticed? 
Um, you know, there's, I'm, th- I'm putting myself in the, in the new, new writer artist shoes and like, what would I do if yeah. I were in their shoes right now? If I were in your shoes right now, like there are so many people at home there, like we're not running to and from things. Our schedules aren't like as hectic. They're still okay. busy, but they're not as hectic and we're not like cutting close deadlines to be here and there. So if we get a, an email, yeah, you know, if we get some kind of outreach, it's like, I'm not getting as much of that as I thought I would, right. you know, but like on my side, I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this time. You know, there's a lot of artists that are at home and they're wanting to be industrious and creative and maybe they'll be willing to try this new yeah. collaboration with one of my writers, you know, um, let me just throw it out there and see what happens. You know, like the worst that happens is that what always happens. I either don't get a response or I get a no, <laughs> you know, it's like, we're all used to that. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I've gotten those calluses built up <laughs> and it's like, if I don't ask for it, I'm not going to get it. And yeah, I know, I know people are sitting around and I know they're going to take a peek. And if it's something that interests them and it's something that might be valuable, like, cool. Like, yeah, I, I'm trying to get more creative about my outreach because like pitching songs via email is just like, Oh, <laughs> like, I'm just like, what can I do? Like, I want to, yeah. I miss the face-to-face interaction. I miss the catch-up. Like, what's the goss? Like, right. what are you, what, what are you excited about? Um, well, you can't even bring a bottle of wine to somebody at five o'clock on a Friday and say, let's listen to six songs. Give me six songs or, or yeah, anything. Yeah, like, like, it's yeah. just, yeah. It's like the spontaneity and the like, oh my gosh, like, like I heard this and now I'm going to activate and I'm going to send it to somebody and I'm going to call somebody cause you're here and we're talking. And it's good time. It's like the, the spontaneity and the organic nature of being at a live show and running into a friend. That's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you. Remember when we were going to do that. And then that led to something else that led to you signing somebody <laughs> and yeah. working with that. Like that whole, like being out and about part is gone. So you just got to be super intentional about being on social media, I guess. Like, no, I love, like I love, Instagram. Yeah. I don't know what I would do without it. I wouldn't know about half of our releases without Instagram. Well, no, I love hearing that you do research. I always hated showing up to write with somebody and they went like, so what did you write? I go, We've, this date's been on the books for four months. What do you mean, what did I write? I know what you wrote. I know everything you did. I know what your mom's name is. Don't you do any research? I mean, so I love hearing that you do some research because to me, that's like half the battle. And also it saves you from throwing a stupid idea out there. Yeah. I mean, like for, for any of y'all out there that are looking for different places to research, if you, if you go to all music, say you're trying to get like a write with Bart Almond. (laughs) And you want to find a common thread to get in the room. You go to all music and you'll pull up all of his credits, see the common co-writers. I do this every day. Oh yeah. Every day. Yeah. Who like, I want to get my artist Hannah Ellis with the top writers in Nashville because she's a superstar. Yeah. The woman is going to be dominating the charts next year. And I'm so excited about it. Um, but like, I want to find 
especially like in quarantine times, you never know if it's going to be a Zoom session or in person. So I like to bring a common thread to the table immediately. Hey, I saw that so-and-so has this third writer in common. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about bringing that together? So I kind of just put that idea forth first. And usually people bite because it's like, oh, yeah, I know them. That's going to be great. So it's just like doing your research is so important and it's so easy when you take that – and when you take that step out for the third party, like half of the battle is already over, you know, when you're, when you're pitching for sessions anyway. Yeah, like, it's like, so you're saying I can either write or I can finish that Rizzoli and Isles film festival <laughs> I was in the middle of. Yeah. Okay. Let's go write a song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like the, the information is out there. It's easy to find. Um, you know, if you, it, it's just, it's so easy. If I want to pitch a song for a pop artist that I don't know who manages them, I'll mm-hmm. just get on the internet and I'll just like be like, yeah. But I will say this, you better be bringing your a game because if you send that song the first time and it's like not the best thing you've ever sent. Yeah that person's ne- like going to block your email address and never respond to you. So it's like, if you're going to take those risks, you better, you better be confident about it. And I don't know if my confidence is real or it's just that like, I'm bored, but you know. So you've signed baby writers and you've worked with established writers and very established writers. Which do you like more and, and why? Hmm. Because I, I always think that starting off with a moldable ball of clay baby rider or keeping a big rider a big rider are two completely different challenges. So your okay. approach, so your approach has to be different to the you yeah. know those two different I, roads. It the approach is completely different, um, but I. I don't like one more than the other. I like yeah. them both. I feel like they both complement each other. Like sure. working with baby writers is so much fun, especially like when you know exactly what to do. You hear the music, you're on board, you get you you know the lay of the land, so you know exactly what they do, you know exactly who to put them in the room with to elevate their songs, elevate their network and like you're so confident about that, that you're like, Ooh, this is going to be fun to watch. You know, like, I know that this producer and this writer and they're going to love each other. It's just like when you've been doing it long enough and you, I mean, you could always fail. It could always blow up in your face. Trust me. It has, but it's like when you've been around a long enough, long enough and you get to know as many writer. I mean, like I probably know just like 25% of the writers in Nashville, but like, I know, and there's so many, but, like, I know enough to know that, like, it, like the strategy is clear. So, yeah. it's just so much fun to be a part of that growing, like, you feel like you're a part of their journey because it's, like, something that you see so clearly might not have come to their mind first. And they would, you know, like, you're just, like, you're helping them connect the dots when they have everything they needed to begin with, but you're just kind of, like nudging but they don't know what to do with it a lot of times <laughs> you know no, no I'm, I'm totally serious like just 
you just kind of got to go, okay, come here, buddy. Give me your hand. Here's what we're going to do today. Oh, well, that's easy. I didn't even think about that. I mean, that just yeah. being a guiding light is, is an amazing part of your job. It's so much fun. And I think it's like, it's hard to instill confidence. Yeah. And like, I've had to do this a lot, like even with really established successful writers, just be like, okay, like when things get really stressful and you're feeling down because like maybe you haven't had activity in six months or a year or a year and a half, like it, this is all about timing and it's all, all yeah. an ebb and a flow. And just because things haven't popped right now doesn't mean they won't later. But like, I always say like, close your eyes. <laughs> Imagine you're in an empty room and all the walls are painted white. And I don't know where I came up with this. I was like, just now, now look around that room and, and see the walls adorned with all of the things that you've been able to accomplish mm. in this business. And I like, just visualize like that first cut you got visualize that amazing show you that you made happen and that amazing contact, like Philip Lamons, one of, one of my writers said it mm -hmm. to me so awesomely. He's, he's like, you know, and I don't know who told him this, but like it was passed down from somebody else. It was like, hey, look around. Like you're here. You're in Nashville. You've made yep. it. Yep. You know, like you're in the game. You just got to keep moving forward. Like if you keep looking for that like benchmark of success, like you're never going to be content. You have to enjoy these small wins along the way. You have to enjoy these small cuts on these up-and-coming artists. Yep. Hey, they might be the next Marin Morris. They yeah. might be the next Keith Urban. You just don't know. Like, enjoy these wins because it's all part of your body of work. And, mm -hmm. like, you, you, you know, like, you're never going to be like, oh, I've had 10 number ones. Now I'm satisfied. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, as creatives, you're going to want to keep evolving. And, like, I think you just, it's hard, you know, I'm not a songwriter, but it's like, I respect and adore songwriters so much that I'm like, Oh my God, look at what you've been able to do. Like there are yeah. thousands and thousands of people trying to do the same thing. And you've had this many cuts and this many releases. That's unbelievable. Like look remember, at how incredible that is. I remember sitting with an artist when I was at Sony and they were being dropped and it was their third record deal. And they were, halfway between knee walking drunk and bawling their eyes out. And I said, yeah, this didn't work, <clears throat> but you've had three record deals. Do you know how many most people have had? None. So you've had three more than 99.99999% of the people that come to town just to get a record deal. You've arrived. You have, you've <laughs> won. You have. Like, and if, what if are you going to do with the time, you yeah, know? If your goal was to be the Dixie Chicks or Garth Brooks or Miranda Lambert or Keith Urban, well, then, okay, that didn't happen. But still, right. but still, you... But they already won. happened. This is your story. Absolutely. What's that going to read like? Like, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> exactly. I think I just get so sad when people get down because it's it's like we all know as publishers, like, we know when we're signing writers, like they might have an off season. 
Yeah. But we believe in the, them enough in our ability to elevate their their talent and get their copyrights in the right place. We believe in the, them enough to know that even though this isn't the right moment, it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Hey, so at, at Disney and I'm assuming at curb as well, you did a lot of film and TV stuff. You did a lot of sync business. Can you explain sync a little bit? Well, I, worked mostly with internal Disney work for hire projects that okay. came through um, the LA office, which was super cool because I mean, to anybody that loves Disney or any part of it, like as soon as you write a song that becomes a part of the Disney property, it's like you're part of Disney legacy. Yeah. So like Melissa Pierce, I I'm pretty sure I haven't checked recently, but I'm pretty sure the song that she wrote for the fireworks show in Magic yeah. Kingdom has been playing there every night since 2005. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, that's something like not a lot of people can say. Like yeah. I get to go, I get to drive down to Orlando, take my little boy to the park and we get to hold hands and listen to this song that I wrote. And like, so projects like that would come through, you know, somewhere like, Hey, we're opening the new Star Wars Cantina. We need music to be playing, playing in the background. Right. Can your writers like produce a track that sounds like an alien song? That would okay. be an alien pop song. You okay, know? well, that, that's one thing I was going to ask you. Like, which which comes first, the song or the movie? I mean, do you take already written songs and look for a placement, or do you get a internal memo from? LA and say we need an alien pop song for a new bar hey guys go right or does does both things happen do both things it, happen? it comes in any way okay. shape or form and any of it could change at any moment yeah. you know like they might be like oh we want something this like this but like we might get this artist attached in which case we might bring in this writer so it, it just like it really all comes down to the wire and we've had some we I say we, cause I feel like I'm still there cause I've been there for half my life. But like we had so many songs that were written for, for um, Disney things that like almost made it yeah. that were great songs that didn't. And it was like, ah, heart wrenching. But the great thing about um, Disney and especially my boss who I idolize and I miss every day, Barbara Vanderlyn, who's still a great, great friend of mine. She is the, pro at repurposing music she oh, wow. has she has like a brain like a whip and she remembers every song that that gets turned in for these projects and so so if she hears something like that might be close to the vibe she'll go back in the archive she'll pull something out and like at certain times the song might get placed with a project that was even better and more exciting than the first time around and it's like kind of arty in the system so it's easier to get through in place so right uh, yeah so it's like most of this stuff was i don't know if i'm using the, the word correctly but like bespoke <laughs> like mm -hmm. we're not gonna like pitch a song for something they would come to us and be like hey we need a very specific song that has this and and it was really interesting like i was on some yeah. like conference calls with people that were part of the music team that would get into like really great detail about exactly what they wanted and, and to watch the writers kind of like bring that to life. It was just, it's a different process, you know, mm. and it, 
So I, you know, I was obviously participating in the country music scene here. I got to, to help facilitate these Disney projects, which is really cool. And I got to work with, you know, a lot of the artists on the Hollywood roster and bring those opportunities to Nashville to like leverage with my own writers. Um, So it was like, you're wheeling and dealing. Yeah. I mean, it was, but it was like, cool. It was like, Hey, you know, so-and-so is making a record. Do you want to get a pop cut? And then, you know, everybody in Nashville wants a pop cut and everybody in LA wants a a country hit. So it's, um, but it's a good tool and it's like, it's something that is tangible and it's something that we can deliver on and something that I feel confident about. So it was like, it was fun, you know? I don't know. I always thought it'd be fun just to write bumpers for stuff like car chases and stuff, you know, <laughs> give us 45 seconds. What, 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 what would Joe Satriani do here? Uh-huh, I could do that. <laughs> you got this. Got that. <laughs> well, do you want to do my lightning round? Wait, check this oh out. Oh my God. I pulled this, this was it sitting in my desk and I was like, Oh, do I still have that? And I pulled it out. Look at that. Classic In all of its glory. Ma- Classic Mouse, Timeless Writers. That is a picture of Disney Music Publishing Nashville. When is and all the writers? One, two, three, four, five, just six, seven, six. Kanan Smith, Sonia Isaacs, Jesse Alexander, Kevin Denny, Mark Nessler, and Bardier. Dang. Yeah, and I had everybody autograph it. This was like these these songwriters are my superstars. Like, these are the only autographs I have. Like, (laughs) I can't believe I still have this. That is amazing. I've I've carried it everywhere I go, you know? It was the inspiration for my path moving forward, and I'll always be so thankful for that. Well, and everybody's thankful for you. Aw. Aw. Aw, so many more fuzzies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to do my lightning round? Sure. This is just ask you a question and you'd kapow me back with the answer. Kapow! Kapow! Here we go. What's your favorite book? Hmm. What's, is that the thing with the papers inside? Okay. <laughs> you sound like my wife. What? Okay. Are you a bath or a shower gal? Um, shower. Nice. Yeah. What's the last gift you gave someone? A massage gift card. Nice. Yeah. What is the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a t-shirt? I was in the second grade, however old you are Mm -hmm. then. And I saw my favorite band, No Doubt. Nice. And my best friend's mom took us. It was my friend Delena and myself. And... Gwen Stefani, like, oh man, was just cussing. She's like, I'm just a girl, <laughs> you, I'm a girl. And like, me and Delaney are looking at each other, like, <gasps> and then her mom's like, What did I do? <laughs> and it was the best, yeah, no t shirt, but, <laughs> but it was, it was a great memory. Yeah, they were a great live band. Man. Oh, I loved that. Tragic Kingdom, that record. I got asked to go see them one time, and I thought, 
I'll go. And I went and it was like, holy crap, this is like oh. the best band I've ever seen. I was blown away. I had no it idea. It was amazing. Yeah, I still and, know every single word to every single song on that record. And lit, open for them. And those are my buddies. They live here, of course, now. So I love that. That's amazing. What's the last movie you saw in a theater? Oh, wow. I, I think it was A Star is Born. Okay. I would believe yeah. that. Yeah. You won't be able to answer this, but uh, what's the favorite song you ever worked on and why? So we talked about this a little bit earlier, like when you love a song and you're mm -hmm. just like kind of bullheaded about it and you don't give up because you don't want them to get lost. <laughs> but like my favorite song is from the Disney catalog and it's called Hurt and it's by hmm. Melissa Pierce was the co-writer and no, like everybody's looking for up-tempo, positive, raging, fun times. <laughs> and like, this was the total opposite of that. This was like Ben West produced is Ben West, John Green and Melissa Pierce. So it's like this cinematic John Green singing it. It's like this beautiful piece of art and it's just like, it's just not a typical country cut. Right. And I just, I was like, I don't care. And I just kept sending it out and sending it out and sending it out and sending it out. And I'm like, Melissa, I promise you, I don't know why, but like, I'm just going to keep working this. And I know, I know something good's going to happen because the song is just so good. And so I keep sending it out, keep sending it out. I like decided to blind email Paul Worley, who is like my favorite person on the yep. planet for just opening up that email in the first place. Yep. He didn't know who I was from Adam. And I was just like, attachment. Hi, I work at Disney <laughs> and I have this song and I hope you like it. And he's like, this is amazing. And then I think he wanted to cut it on this one artist and then it didn't work. And then he wanted to, and then he's like, but we're going to still try to cut it on Charles Kelly. And I was like, mm. That's amazing because he was making that the driver record. Yeah, yeah. And which is incredible. And I yeah. was like, oh, like I love Charles Kelly. Like yep. he's he's got like this amazing soulful voice. And then he was like, uh, it didn't like work for him when we got in the studio, but we're still gonna like keep it in play for Lady A. And I was like, Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just trying to make me feel better. But like, I appreciated that he was, if he was, but he wasn't, he was being honest and he, See? and he kept it in play. And like, in the end, they switched the lead over to Hillary, which was an amazing move. Like she yeah. sounds so good on it. And like, I think the process of watching that song go from like, oh, that's never like that's not marketable and that's not commercial right, right. to being like so stubborn about it and kind of trusting that, even though it's like, should I like, <laughs> and like, just like it, it made the record. It was one of, or if not the only outside written mm. entirely song on the record, which I'm so passionate about yeah. getting songs cut that aren't with the artist. I feel like both are, are important, yeah. but um I just loved seeing that, like defying the odds and waiting for all of the stars to align. And the, the song made the record and they performed it on one of the late shows. I can't remember. Um, but I, something, I didn't have cable. So I rented a hotel room and my best friend and I 
went to the hotel room so we could watch the late show oh. with Lady Annabella, Lady A, performing um, the song called Hurt, which is one of my most favorite hmm. song journey stories because it just like I had to check a million boxes before I made it across the finish line. So. See, there you go. I'm not going to go to sleep till I get this freaking song cut. Bam. Yeah. So what's next for you? <sighs> um, keeping up with all, all of this. Um, I just want to keep setting the bar higher and higher for myself and, and my writers and just, keep elevating opportunities for them. And I'm, I'm still such a fan and I still have such a fire and I don't feel like I've seen like the biggest cuts that I'm capable of landing. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just, I'm really excited about continuing to um, try and be brave and try to find more inventive ways to pitch songs and, and, and get some more hits, you know, like yeah. it's so, and it's so much fun to celebrate with this team here too. Um, yeah. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to do all I can. Like I, I want to fight in the war against bad music. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Instead of passing the ammunition, you're passing the bulletproof earmuffs. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you. I love you. It's so good to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you too. I don't know what on God's green earth, um, you know, made you ask me to do this, but I'm very thankful that you did because I got to hang with you. Well, give give yourself a hug. Give your hubs a hug. Give those puppies hugs. I will. Send all my love to your beautiful bride, Amy. She's everything to me and she's just done so much for me that mm. she doesn't even know she let me yeah. picture a song like it's awesome come on she's the best well have a great Beatles. weekend you too stay I love warm you. yes love you, you too. bye talk soon bye